Hello there, everyone, and welcome to episode 99 of the Play to Win podcast show. We break down the week's biggest gaming news through in-depth discussion. My name is Tyler. I'm your host this week, and I'm joined, of course, by my co-host here, Tyler. How are you doing, dude? It's been a long week. What's going on with you? Um, you know, just uh, enjoying. Well, I was enjoying the therapeutic power wash simulator last night, and uh, you know, now ready to talk about some video games. We got some. Uh, we got a, the lightest of weeks, but we've got the Last of Us ep- uh, show to talk about on the end. So if you're like just tuning in, um, and you're like, oh, I want to listen to that. I don't know if we have timestamps, but that's gonna be towards the end. So if you want to scroll forward. It's understandable. It's a little bit of a light. It's a little bit of a light dusting of a week of video game news. <laughs> now, yeah, there, are, there definitely are timestamps. There are timestamps in every episode in the description, so people could always feel free to bounce around whenever they want, however they want. Um, as Tyler said, you know, give a little bit of a tease there. This week, we are going to be talking about the Last of Us HBO show. We didn't really talk about it too much as the show was airing each week. Uh, but the plan was always to do something for the show when it was done. And we're going to do a nice spoiler discussion review overall of the show at the end of this episode, after we've talked about everything else. So if you don't want to hear spoilers, you can feel free to bounce out when we get to that point of the show. If you have seen the show or if you don't care about spoilers, you can stick around for that conversation because it should be a good one, should be a fun one. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a good show this week. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, subscribe if you're on podcast services and YouTube. Hit that notification bell as well on YouTube so you know as soon as videos go live and you can be one of the first to watch them. Leave a like, leave a comment, uh, share the show with anyone and everyone, and five-star reviews on podcast services, all very helpful. Now, aside from the HBO Last of Us show, us reviewing that, discussing that, we also are going to be talking about Naughty Dog's next game. They've decided on a new project. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But first, we're going to start this episode off with some rumors about new console hardware. You know, it's crazy. This generation seems like it just started yesterday, and we already have rumors about brand new consoles on the horizon, Tyler. How how do you feel about that? So I did not know about this news bulletin slash uh being on the docket until today so this is all like fresh for me but it it obviously feels too soon but i think a key component is that it would not be happening till next year at the earliest which while it still feels relatively soon i mean i've had mine since this my ps5 since december of 2020 and my series x since uh what, uh, like May, March or, or April or May of 2021. So, I mean, for a lot of people, it's been like basic. At that point, it'll have been four years. And while I don't know if I'm personally interested in a pro, I also wasn't interested in a PS4 pro. I'm sure there will be people that are. Um, I do have to question whether the market will, if even the market for the pro there was, um, will be here for the five. I mean, we had you had a potential like question to get a little inside baseball here on our docket of like, is there going to be a video in uh, video game industry crash? And while I don't necessarily predict that, I think maybe a pro this generation could be a misstep with uh, in the U.S. at least um, a very clear recession on the horizon. Well, if you think it's 
on the horizon you're a little late because we're in it baby but um yeah like i don't know if there's necessarily gonna despite the ps5 and the series x selling like gangbusters i don't know if there's a market for a pro in a year i think that could be a misstep um what the fuck do i know i'm not a console manufacturer um that's just my personal opinion um, but I wouldn't riot about it. I would just be like, that's interesting. I think that's a mistake in the same way that I'm slowly but surely. And we talked about this pre-release starting to think that uh, a PSVR two was also a mistake. Um, Cause I've interestingly enough been like, uh, I listen to the Jeff Gersman podcast most weeks and uh, he's kind of talked about despite being a VR enthusiast since the beginning, it just seems like the market is not there right now. Um, and I'm kind of like slowly but surely being like a hundred percent coming into alignment with that view as well of like, I don't know if the market's there and I would kind of feel similarly about uh, a pro series of consoles. Yeah. So re really quickly, um, if you weren't sure what we were talking about, PS5, PS5 Pro, um, because according to Tom Henderson from Insider Gaming, who has leaked a number of different uh, games related things over the years, he has reported that Sony's working on a PS5 Pro and they plan to release it potentially late 2024. Uh, and this is something where, you know, ever since the start of this generation, there was always talk of, okay, are we going to get a mid-gen refresh of some sort? Uh, because it happened with the PS4, Xbox One generation. You know, that started in 2013. Three years in, we got the PS4 Pro. And then I believe 2017, we got the Xbox One X. Uh, so it was, a, it was a question of, okay, are we going to get mid-gen refreshes this time? Because the last time around with the PS4 Pro in the, in the 1X, there was some question about how necessary is this? How important is this? Are people really going to go for this? Uh, like buying a, another version, like an uh, upgraded version of their PS4 that's not the next generation, but it's more powerful. Like, who does that really appeal to? Does that appeal to like everyone, the casual person? The, is it only for like the hardcore? How many people are going to buy into it? And while I don't have sales numbers, I mean, I would imagine that the general consensus is that the PS4 Pro and the One X were successful. They were successful um, experiments, so to say, um, successful refreshes because we never had a mid-gen refresh in any past generation. And people really you know, gravitated towards being able to play their games in 4K, being able to play their games with a better performance, with faster load times for some games, uh, with you know higher frame rates, better frame rates, more stable frame rates, uh, being able to choose whether you want to focus on vision, resolution or frame rate for your gaming experience and all like that. And that's something that we never really had on consoles. That's more of a PC thing. So bringing that variability to the console um, space is a question of, man, are console gamers going to go for it? And I would, I would imagine, I would think, you know, the general answer would be, yes, we did go for it. And it was more of a necessity for that generation as opposed to now, because back then it was like, okay, 4K is on the horizon. We're trying to, you know, we want to shoot for 4K. We want to have better frame rates and uh, more stable frame rates with our games, um, especially the Xbox One, which was woefully underpowered throughout that entire generation compared to the PS4 and uh, PS4 Pro and so on and so forth. So with this generation now, with the PS5 and the Series X and S, you got to wonder, it's like, okay, they came out the gate really strong, really powerful. So it, it begged the question of, with how strong these consoles are right now, 
is there going to be a need for a mid-gen refresh at all in three, four years? And not even to mention the fact that COVID and um, development, not development, um, production issues, supply issues already plagued the first three, four years of this generation. So it's not even like we've been able to really tap into the full power of the PS5 and the One X and the One S because we're still kind of working with past gen game, last gen games and all like that. We're still kind of hampered by last generation. We haven't been able to see what this these consoles can really do yet. We're kind of still like just now starting off this next generation, so to speak. So with all that in mind, I'm like, I don't even know if a PS5 Pro or a, let's say an Xbox mid-gen refresh as well is all that necessary. And I kind of, I struggle to see what the big pull would be, what the big allure would be for a mid-gen refresh for these consoles. Again, considering how powerful they already are, like what would be the big pull? 8K? When 8K is still like, still so far out, like still super, super niche of a thing. uh, What's the big pull? Is it like 4K 60 guaranteed? Like that'd be nice, but... I don't know if that'd be so important for so many people that you end up selling a whole lot of PS5 Pros or Xbox Series X version 2.0, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's my take on it, but I'm sure like it would still be a nice thing that people would yeah, get. I I think the hardest sell would be to I think the hardest sell would be to developers. Like I don't think like AK is a hundred percent not fucking feasible for pretty much any developer right now. Um and the other one, like, sure, you can tell people and the games that are, like, the 4K 60 frames per second guarantee would just be, like, upscaling um, for pretty much most games. Like, I doubt any devs would well, some devs, of course, if they're just, like, you know, basically putting out hardcore PC standards for themselves anyways, would, you know, quote-unquote support it. But, like, most developers would just give what they're going to give, and then that that system would just upscale it. Um yeah, it does. Like I, part of what I was saying, yeah, is definitely that it feels more redundant this console generation than it did last. And I, this is coming from someone who didn't buy a PS4 Pro, so I thought that one was redundant as well. Um, but yeah, this one especially, like, because we've had so much PS4 support, um, and because of how, whether it was intentional or not, how late the transition was for a lot of people because of the lack of access of PS5s um, and Xbox Series Xs, even though that that drought, it seems like, um, got filled quicker. Uh, and, like, think about it from an Xbox standpoint, especially um, if there were to be one. Like, it has no actual exclusive games to this generation. Every fucking Xbox game, you can play on either the Series X or the One X. Just, or I even the One, right? Yeah. So far, like that's I, and like, don't get me wrong, that's cool. If you're, I'm sure if you're running a base one, you're like, even though it's probably chugging, I imagine you are like, this is cool. But at the end of the day, like, how can you justify another version of the Series X, a Series X Pro, or what, however, we would title that when you don't have any actual exclusive Series X games? Now, for me, for example, I got my Series X because I didn't have a one. I guess I could have gotten a one X, but like I didn't want to buy something and then feel the need to upgrade 
two years later, three years later. So for me, it was like, well, let's just, you know, we've got, I've got the money right now. Well, actually my girlfriend bought it um, for me. And then it was like, she was like, are you, uh, she was basically just like, yeah, I want to get you this one. I don't want you to get, the, get you the other one. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, and it was like, should she even ask like, oh, should we just wait and get the, like the one X? And I was like, no, I, if you're going to do that, then I'll just, it's fine. But she was like, okay, yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, I didn't want to be late, you know, and have that. But I guess really looking back, it would have been fine to have a one X at this point. Yeah. Well, I mean, just so you, uh, just to be clear, um, the series X is going to be getting, well, series X and S are, you know, they're going to be getting their exclusive games starting this year. Redfall is the first one. After that, we got Starfield as an exclusive, not last. Is Redfall gen. not on the regular one? If I'm correct, the answer is no. I'm pretty sure the answer is only Series S and X for Redfall. Starfield is only ne- new gen. Uh, Forza, the next Forza is only new gen. I'm pretty sure starting this year, the rest of their games, with the exception of Minecraft uh, Legends. I think Minecraft Legends is one and is a last gen and new gen. But um, starting with Redfall, I believe Redfall is new gen exclusive. And also, if we want to be even more specific than that, and give more credit, um, Flight Sim, Microsoft Flight Sim on console is only on Series S and X. It is not on Xbox One, if you want to give more credit. But I know Flight Sim is more of a very niche thing. It's not like the more mainstream game that people would go for. Uh, but that one is yeah. there as a new gen exclusive for Xbox. Now, here's the real question. I would believe that maybe they phase out the base one, but would they risk maybe alienating people that have a one x because like it seems like that drop off is a little bit is is not nearly as significant like that seems like that was actually a relatively needed uh upgrade whereas the pro it seems like from the ps4 pro from everything i remember seeing was like not as significant well i had a ps4 pro and i actually wasn't going to get it the only reason I got it was I got it in 2019 before uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 came out. And I wasn't going to get it, but my friend, she got a PS4 Pro uh, for Kingdom Hearts 3. And she was like, I mean, why not? Why not do it? And I was just like, you know what? You're right. Why not? So I just traded in my PS4, my base PS4 for a PS4 Pro. And I only paid like 200 bucks um, extra because I had the extra cash lying around. Um, and like, I enjoyed being able to play um, some games, you know, at like, at like a, a so, more solid frame rate, uh, and or just like better load times and you know better resolutions of visuals, but I don't I don't know if I have noticed it as much if I stick with if I stuck with my base PS4, uh, but yeah, I mean like you said, the Xbox One to Series X was definitely more needed and a bigger jump than the PS4 to PS4 Pro, uh. So it, it does become a thing in this generation of, as you said, the redundancy of everything. Is the what upgrades will or benefits will these pro systems have in comparison to the ones that we already have now? How you know how significant are those upgrades? Are they really needed? Do we really care about them all that much? And then the other question is, how much are they going to cost? Because like these consoles already right now are five hundred dollars in the U.S. for the Series X and the PS5. For three hundred dollars for the no, that's not three hundred. I believe it's four hundred for the um, Series S, and then they've also you know raised prices of consoles in different regions around the world as so also. So it's like what if these pro consoles drop 
are the base ones going to drop in price like $100 or so? And then the pro consoles will be the $500 boxes. Like, how is that going to work out as well? And then also, I saw someone else mention this this week about in regards to the Xbox side of things. If Xbox was to do a mid-gen refresh, then they have they now have three new gen boxes to have games optimized for you have your series s at the lower end the series x in the middle and then your series xxx as the top as the high end version of it and it's like oh man like as you said for the dev side of things that's got to be even more work and more frustrating and more just trouble to have to manage a finagle and everything like that it's it's an interesting thing it's interesting to think about yeah I just to confirm Redfall while technically only on Series X and S you can actually play it via Game Pass the streaming. So um yes, they did say that. If you have a good enough so you can play that way also that will elect if you like via the Azure I guess uh cloud gaming so you can technically um play both Starfall and that if you have a good enough internet c- connection. So yes. It's really like even that's kind of interesting, right? Microsoft saying, "Hey, it's to me that reads as this is less the console itself and more like sorry if you've got an Xbox One and you are rolling out some of the jankest internet, we're sorry. Like this is the cutoff. But you got that, and you're like, if you got the gigabit package." You really don't have to shell out for a new console at that point. Like, I don't know how long that'll be the case, but that's that's interesting. Like, how long will someone running a base Xbox One with Gigablast internet be able to, you know, keep playing these games? Um, that's kind of an interesting concept. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't have that worry. I've, I've got, like, as mentioned, a Series X, but... Um, I don't even I'm thinking about it. My internet connection is so bad. I don't even know if I'll be able to play Redfall when it comes out. Um, just because mm-hmm. of the always online shit. But yeah, yeah. Uh but so who knows? Maybe that, that'll probably be maybe more of a June game for me. I don't even know. But then Diablo comes out. So I don't know. Redfall, you may just lose out in as far <laughs> as my playtime goes. <laughs> um this is a real quick last thing. Tom Henderson, he also in his report mentioned that uh the PS6 is reportedly set to release. Um, at tw- until 2028. It's not set to release until 2028 at the earliest. Uh, I mean, we don't have to linger on this long. That's years from now. Who knows? Plans change and all like that. Uh, do you buy that though? Does that does that feel as far away as it is? Or does that feel like kind of soonish? To, I mean, for me personally, uh, I'm like, oh, that that sounds about right. You know, eight years after the generation started. That sounds that sounds right. But God, it's interesting, right? Because it feels too early for a pro. Does that that date does not feel too early at all for me, but it does feel incredibly far away. But also, I'm the kind of person 2025 sounds far away, but then in in reality, like these next two years will fly by, and I'll be like, oh shit, it's 2025. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you give me you give me any date that's not next year, and in my dumb caveman brain, it is 100 percent like yeah, that's far away, and <laughs> I know it's like it'll be there like that, you know? Right. Well, speaking of the PlayStation 6, I wonder if Naughty Dog's big next game will be on the PlayStation 6. Probably out sooner than that. But you got to wonder. You got to wonder. Uh, so this came from... No, co- it's been cooking, man. 
No, yeah, it, it's been cooking. I I'm, I'm, it, I did it for the segue. I did it for the segue. I, I know, I know, but I just had to clarify. No, that, that's definitely coming out soon. Uh, <laughs> well, soon-ish. I do think it's interesting that it's been under wraps. And the, I'll let you finish here, but I think the one that they're alluding to, I wouldn't be surprised if there's another game before that. All right, interesting, interesting. Well, okay, this comes from a, a conversation or more like a statement Neil Druckmann made on kind of funny spoiler cast for the last of his HBO show this week after the series finale, well, not series, season finale. Uh, he briefly talked about Naughty Dog's Nest game. Here is what he said. The quote is, quote, I know the fans really want The Last of Us Part 3. I hear about it all the time. All I can say is that we're already into our next project and the decision has already been made. I can't say what it, that, I can't say what it is but that is the process we went through. There was a lot of consideration of different things and we picked the thing we were the most excited for, end quote. Now, just to, just to put all the cards on the table, he is obviously not referring to The Last of Us multiplayer thing. He's talking about their next big project that's not The Last of Us multiplayer. We already know about that. We already know news about that. It's coming some point this year. He's talking about the, the, their next big project triple a project that we all are looking forward to all wondering what it is what do you think do you think it's going to be the last of us part three or is it something completely different and i know we talked about this briefly a couple weeks ago as to like oh man is either is the last of us ending is uncharted ending what's what's going on uh but do you think the next game from them is part three i think I think he wants us to believe it is. I hope in my heart of hearts he's just trolling us. <laughs> but man, I, I kind of have a bad feeling it's Last of Us 3. I don't Why want it to be. Have a... I deeply do not want it to be. Why is that? The spoilers for The Last of Us 2, like, brief. I, we're just going to talk. I'm going to talk about my overall feelings about it. I don't know. And it may, you may end up saying something. So just be aware, especially if you're tuning in to, about the show and you, for some reason, haven't played the game. But I think two ended perfectly. I don't, and me and my friend, uh, Misha, she loves The Last of Us. And we were talking about this like a week or two ago. And she was like, well, why don't you want a third one? And I was like, because she, she's like, it obviously doesn't end perfect, like perfectly in the sense that like, there's of course more that's going to happen. And that was kind of my point was like, yeah, I don't want to know. Like where we leave off with Ellie is perfect in my opinion. Like, she has learned the lesson that we assume that the that all of two has been teaching her and us um, by proxy. And I think anything past that requires more violence. It requires unlearning that lesson, essentially. And whether or not that happens, whether or not she does have the ending that we see, I want that to be a mystery. I want to know. I want to speculate about that 20 years from now. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, some things are better left a mystery and like in the best way, I don't view it as lazy writing or lore. If you leave things unsaid and it's honestly one of the things I fucking hate the most about all of this reboot and MCUification of everything is that like, we just writers can are not allowed to leave stones left unturned. Now it's like everything has to have a backstory that has a backstory because it could be a spinoff and it's like, stop. And <laughs> I think, I think naughty dog, even though I would trust them to make a three and hopefully let it be good. 
I do think that they're given the leeway and the pedigree and Sony just signs checks that they could just go do something else. And I don't think Uncharted's hollow enough ground that if they wanted to come back to that, I would really care. Last of Us is, man. Just like, it's perfect. Just let it be, um, is my personal opinion on that. Just like, two is so good. And I, I really, over time, just love that game more and more, despite what all the haters say. Like, it is, I think, and I think, the season come to the season coming out or seasons coming out confirmed now will only justify my take that like that game is better than the first, even though for a while there, the first was like one of my favorite, if not my favorite games of all time. And it's like, I don't necessarily feel the same about two, but that's also because I've just played more um, games and whatnot. But I do think that two is a better story. I think it is, and I also think gameplay-wise, it's just way more mechanically tight, though I haven't played the whatever re-remake of Last of Us. I haven't played part the first one. I haven't played part one. Um, But mechanically, two was just like kicked one's ass. Uh, And I also think just as a story, it requires so much more nuance and emotional intelligence, whereas I do like, it will get obviously touched with this with the show, I like the primal rawness that, one brings out and elicits and I think a lot of viewers, but I think two is just like requires you to be a better human being about how you view it and the lens in which you view it, which uh, I think Naughty Dog wanted. I think ultimately they mm-hmm. wanted to elicit those reactions. So um, yeah, I, I hope three doesn't happen, but man, I, he's certainly <laughs> intending to lead us on that way. It could all be a troll. I deeply hope it is, but this is, I hear about it all the time. Like, I don't know, are people really asking for three? Maybe like the haters. I felt like the the audience for that is the haters that didn't like to think that three will save it or the people that are just like, I just want more and more. And it's like, mm-hmm. I am, I'm probably now, the more I think <laughs> about it, maybe I'm just in this world where I'm one of the few rare people that don't want a three. See, I, so do I think their next game will be a part, will be part three? I think the answer is no. I don't think that's the next game. God, I hope you're right. <laughs> I, but I think that they return to it afterwards because I like I'm, I'm similar to you. Where like I think part two ended very well, and it ended where, okay, unlike the first, the first one ended where you have that oh man, like what's what it ended where like on a solid note but it left the door open a bit, kind of, sort of. Whereas two, it's like, this is a this can be a solid note, but the door is clearly way more open for more than part one was. And I would not be opposed to more. I don't need more though. Like, so I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, I want, I want a part three, but if a part three got announced, you could bet I'd be there day one for sure. Cause I, I bet it would be like up to the, you know, the same standard of quality of part one and part two were. That said, as I've said before, because of how long development times have been in recent years, I don't want them, I don't want their next thing to be part three because they will have then been doing The Last of Us for such a long time. Like it started in 2013, then they did Uncharted 4, but they were, you know, then they also had Last of Us part two, which got announced in 2016. That came out in 2020. Then they've been doing the multiplayer thing since then. And then you know the, you have the show going on as well. To be also to then do going to part three right after, that's a like basically a decade of just the last of us of Naughty Dog. 
And I would love to see them flex their creative um, abilities and, you know, just all their skills in a new area before going back to part three. Uh, if they were to go back to a part three at all, I imagine they have like, you know, ideas for it. Uh, and I'm sure that they're talking, you know, they're like scripting things out and like how they would want the story to go. I'm sure they're probably talking with um, Ashley I Johnson also, and probably Troy Baker about things that they would I have a, a, I don't know if this is a hot take. I don't know if this is like, if this is a bad or if people will disagree with this take. Um, if you think you're getting a mostly Ellie story for The Last of Us Part 3, you're smoking crack. It would not be a really? mostly Ellie story. Yeah. Because so wow. here's, okay, spoilers for Last of Us 2. The lesson that Ellie learns is like, violence is never worth it. The toll it takes on you as a human being, the soul it takes, the toll it takes on your soul um, and what it does to you and how it irreparably damages you as a human being is not fundamentally worth it even when you feel passionately that you need revenge um she learns straight up not worth it there i actually do believe naughty dog would treat that with hollow enough ground that the story of last of us three will be peppered in with ellie on her mission to find her uh to like dana. find her her ex-wife yeah dana um and like i think she'd try and gain happiness and maybe that requires a brief amount of gameplay as Ellie, like, you know, you're on that journey, she runs into a couple people, but I don't think they would ultimately like create an entire new obstacle and make Ellie relearn, like the, like basically go through that trauma again and like just become a vicious killer. Once again, like it just would betray the ending of two so, so much that I don't think they would, do it and betray it in a way the way people be like, oh, two betrayed one. No, it didn't. That's you're dumb. That's not the point. It would actually betray the intended ending and the intended effect they have. So I think we'd have more Abby. So two haters don't wish for a three. I promise you, you're it's this is not going to work out the way you want. And also, probably a new character would be my guess. And they make us learn more empathy and play in the perspective of someone else that we might have a reason to hate. Um, they might push it farther. We might kill Ellie if three happens. So I promise you people that are like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Naughty Dog's ideas are not like your Star Wars bullshit. This isn't, Di there's no Disney coming in to save this and or quote unquote, save it and give you Rise of the Skywalker. Like if this is The Last Jedi, Naughty Dog's gonna go deeper off the deep end. Like they'll have us play the bad guy and come in and kill Ellie. I promise you there's no depths to which they won't seek creative endings like this is not going to go the way you think it is and like to be honest that's a hundred percent if they're gonna do it i want the more creative approach to it i definitely don't want some bullshit fan service ending um not saying i want ellie to die like i would love for her to have her happy ending but us get something else entirely but i promise you i don't think it would be a majority ellie gameplay i would be surprised if it's more than a quarter of the gameplay see i think the opposite i think if we were to get a part three and it focuses on Ellie. I, I think if we're getting a part three, it focuses on Ellie and you're playing as her again. I do um, think we see the resolution of her story. I just don't think that's mostly via a controller. I think it just I, betrays so much of the ending of two. I think it is because The Last of Us is, you arguably, The Last of Us is Ellie's story. And I, I don't think that you title the game part three if 
the game is about a different character. Part two, yes, you play as um, you play as Abby, you know, for a giant for like half of that game, um, yes, but it's still her story is intertwined with Ellie's story. They are both one and the same in that game, so like it's you know it's fine, it works there. But I don't think you you call the game part three, and you're really not playing as Ellie in that game much, if at all. I think. If you're going to have a game with a different character and you're calling it, it is going to be in the Last of Us world, you call it the Last of Us something else. I don't think you call it part three because I believe the core Last we would of have talked about is Ellie's. We would have talked about how crazy it was that in the Last of Us part two, that not only would you not play as Joel at all, but that he would die early and that you would play half the fucking game is the antagonist, the quote unquote antagonist. Like that would have been rev. Like people would have just hearing that would have been up in arms. You know what I mean? Like even then, like Neil Druckmann was like quoted as, I think it was Druckmann or was it someone that was at Craig Mazine? I forget. was quoted as saying like the last of us is Ellie and Joel. Okay. Well you made half a game, which again, I'm not an Abby hater, but you made half a game where it's not. So is The Last of Us really that? I think that's more of a lip service thing of like the themes of The Last of Us. I think actual who we're playing and what we're doing, I think those themes matter so much to them that they would never put us in a situation to turn Ellie into a killer again. Like if we have a significant chunk of gameplay, my money would be on they put us in a situation where like you play three hours and you maybe have two combat interactions. And she, we show, we see how hesitant of a killer she is now. Like she only does it when she's required to. And the game goes out of its way to have you in situations where she avoids confrontation, turning it into like borderline stealth into like, no, we're not giving you an option. You can't kill. Like you're going to have to find a way. And like, maybe that's how they resolve her story. Ultimately is like, just give us three, four hours, hardly any gameplay. We don't want to betray this element. And then we get a resolution and then we pick it up with either Abby or a different character. All right. So let's say they're not making part three though. What it is something different. What do you want that something different to be? Do you want it to be um, like, cause I, there, there's been different rumors or like just speculation that the next game, maybe they're teasing something sci-fi because of all the cards that you could find in part two. Maybe they're working on a fantasy game because I think an artist at Naughty Dog posted like uh, like art picture, like fantasy themed art pictures to like some profile somewhere, right? What what do you think? What would you want them to do if they're not doing part three? Um I would I like I would be excited if it was something not as grounded uh in regular reality obviously there's like clickers and you know uh, like as people point out like oh the science doesn't match in the last of us yeah because it's ultimately a zombie game (laughs) um yeah it's fake uh but like something less grounded in reality would be cool but at the same time like ultimately i want them to do what they're passionate about if they feel like they want to tell a story that's still grounded but completely separate from the last of us i'd be fine with that i just want something that's not the last of us ideally not uncharted but like i said that's less hollow ground to me so whatever you want to go back to that well i don't give a shit but i would prefer something like brand new brand new which i think is what we would get i don't think i don't for the record think they're going back to uncharted it's been reported sony would go to like a different studio for that which is good 
Yeah, Neil Druckmann already said that we we are done with Uncharted, where we've moved on to other stuff. So I think that if they're not doing part three, like you said, I would kind of want them to do something a bit more, I guess, not as grounded in reality. Like sci-fi can still be grounded in reality, but like not in our real world reality, like Last yeah. of Us is like to such a real extent, same way Uncharted was. Um, I would be... like. When I think about them doing sci-fi or fantasy, I get really excited at the potential of both of those. Uh, because uh, just because of the storytelling that Naughty Dog is capable of, and like I, they're just amazing storytellers. And sci-fi gets me excited because I think about, oh man, like the Jack series was sci-fi to an extent, kind of sort of. Like you kind of had some like sci-fi. Kind of bizarro, element. yeah. Yeah, you kind of had some sci-fi elements in the Jack series. So I think about, oh man, like if you had that with modern day Naughty Dogs, you know, storytelling and technology and everything like that, like that would be insane. Like I would love to see that. Whether it be like in space, like a space set sci-fi story or just like a far future on Earth or some other planet sci-fi story, whatever the case may be, that'd be super cool to see. But then I can't think about like the fantasy side of things. And I think I get maybe a bit more excited about that because that's just like very different from anything Naughty Dog's done. Like fantasy, like maybe the first Jack and Daxter was more fantasy than sci-fi, but like fantasy is still like something that they really have not done before. So like, are we talking about dragon type fantasy, dragons and wizards, or are we talking fantasy more like something in the, in the realm of like maybe Game of Thrones where yes, there are dragons there, but I think that's more like a, that's, in my head, that's more like medieval type fantasy, not like Lord of the Rings type fantasy. Like, what type of fantasy would I would we get from Naughty Dog? And what type of fantasy world could they create? What type of creatures would they deliver us and bring to us and all? And like, that gets me really, really excited. And I think I would love to see them do a fantasy game. Pass my vote for not that. I'm not a fantasy. <laughs> um, just by loving... The good game, good seasons of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'm not, not even remotely a fantasy person. So, I think sci-fi would present an interesting template for clearly they like riffing on morality and tales like about the philosophical implications of like, you know, um, what you do. I think that themes are even present in Uncharted. Um, mm-hmm. It started out as kind of like, oh, isn't this fun? And then you can see that kind of shift to like uh, dealing with the ramifications of what you've done. So it'd be interesting to see if they choose to start out lighthearted and then like slowly with that series delve or if they jump right into like shit is hardcore. But I think sci-fi presents more with the boundless limit, you know, the the non-limitations of technology and that fake world presents more interesting scenarios for that kind of uh, thing. Um, And I also just like the world building in sci-fi generally when it's done well, more than um, high fantasy. Um, Like basically give me, dude, give me Blade Runner, but like, or but like, oh my God, Naughty Dog, like, like, let's, I know people are like, oh, I want to be able to do anything in cyberpunk quote unquote world. No, screw that. Just like, give me a Naughty Dog, like Blade Runner style narrative game. That's what I want question for you this will be the last question about naughty dog here uh do you do you would you want it to be 
again, like a third person action adventure game, would you want it to be something more like yes. an RPG? Would you want it to be a first person game? What type of thing would you want it to be? Stick with what you know. I don't want unknowns. I don't want us to be like, well, if they really refine this in the next game, like, no, <laughs> I, every game has fucking RB, RPG mechanics. I'm tired of it. Naughty yeah. Dog, stick to your guns. I'm ti- like, I know some people will be like, oh, well, this, this is what Sony first party is. Okay. And I, it's good. I don't care. Like, I'd rather them stick with this and let the billionth Ubisoft game have more RPG mechanics. Like, let Naughty Dog cook with what they're good at doing. These games take long enough, folks. We do not need more mechanics <laughs> and more systems introduced. Okay. Um, and like, you know, I get it. They're working on quality. Let Insomniac too with RPG mechanics. They've got the time. They have time to spare. Do not like, <laughs> let, do not add more to Uncharted or Naughty Dog's plate with uh, their game development process. Um, and also they've gotten more and more refined with the gunplay and the like overall mechanics, which I think would pair well with sci-fi um, to throw out that whole combat like system and what they're good at and start over just to me, a means we're going to be waiting way longer and B means it might suck the first game. Um, and like, that's true. That could be true of any system. Like, I think what they've shown themselves good at is not, hey, we introduced new mechanics and it's good right away. They're good at storytelling, making very beautiful worlds, um, and just like, you know, writing and also getting good at gunplay over time, like slowly but surely iterating uh-huh. in uh, positive, meaningful changes. Like The Last of Us 2 rips gameplay wise. Like, it's yes. good. Um, so, yeah, like that's that's what I want. Just keep keep something where you can use most of those mechanics, build off of that, and make something sick. Like give us Blade Runner style, like that kind of narrative story. It doesn't have to just be retelling Blade Runner. Although people forget um, that Last of Us, I forget which Cormac McCarthy story, but it's basically just a pull of something like that. So I would be surprised if they did something like that and it was like, oh, it's Blade Runner, but it's slightly different. Like it would not surprise mm-hmm. me in the least. Um, which I'd be okay with. It'd probably be a lot of fun and really cool to play. Oh man, I like a cyberpunk. See, now you're getting me kind of a bit more excited for like a sci-fi cyberpunk style Naughty Dog game than a fantasy one. Ooh, ooh, man, jeez, I wasn't even thinking about that. Because it's the right choice. <laughs> you know, you know, we we need more sci-fi cyberpunk type games in the world, like setting-wise games in the world. And Cyberpunk 2077 like showed me that. Like, I was like, oh man, I love this world, love this environment, and everything, and I would love to get more of that. And Getting something like that from Naughty Dog, I, that would just, I'm so sure that'd be awesome. Even if it's not open world, just like narrative, like straightforward, like. Would yeah, you just want to be in the world. You don't need to spend a hundred hours and blah, blah, blah. Because the reality is that means there's going to be some compromises made and it's also going to take a billion years. Yeah. Exciting stuff to think about for sure. All right. Let's do some brief mentions here. Uh, we got to start off on a sad note though. Got us off on a sad note. Uh, Lance Reddick passed away yesterday as of a recording. Today is Saturday. So yesterday, Friday, March 17th, uh, at the age of 60. Uh, in you know, in the film TV space, uh, he was in, I saw people say he was in The Wire. Um, he was in Fringe. Uh, but I know him for sure from uh, John Wick, that series. Uh, he played the concierge and the the continental, they're like the assassins headquarters of sorts in New York. Uh, but in the gaming space, 
Uh, he started in Remedy's 2013 game, Quantum Break, but he's perhaps most known for his roles in the Horizon and Destiny franchises as Silence in the Horizon games and Commander Zavala in Destiny. Uh, that was certainly a shock when I saw that news yesterday. Uh, and I know, like, um, Gorilla put out a, like, a statement today. Bungie put out a statement yesterday. And in Destiny 2, uh, you just had players going in the tower, going up to Commanders of Zavala, his character model, well, his character. And it's like taking a knee or doing an email, giving a salute of sort to his character in uh, Destiny 2, just because, like, damn, like, he's gone now. And that's that's just really sad. Got to honor them. Yeah, I saw... I saw people were doing cool stuff about um, just like the Destiny people were doing like cool in-game stuff to honor him. So that's cool. RIP for sure. And uh, that sucks. Yeah, really sad. On a lighter note, on a happier note now, uh, Persona 5, the Phantom X mobile spinoff has been announced. Now, let me, let me, let me preface this first up. A mobile Persona 5, first off, a per, another Persona 5 spinoff. I know Persona, 5, Persona fans are like, oh my God, again. Then you hear it's a mobile game. You're like, oh my God, why? Uh, here's the thing. So it's published by Perfect World, developed by Black Wings. It's a free-to-play title. Oh yeah, that's, that's another like flag right there of sorts of people. Free-to-play mobile game coming to iOS and Android. Playtest is starting on March 29th in China. I watched the gameplay trailer. Yo. This actually looks really good, okay? It actually looks really good. He's lying to you, folks. I'm not, though. Because you had a lot of people online saying the same thing. Like, this actually looks good. So it follows, like, a new set of Phantom Thieves and apparently resolves, revolves around the theme of desires. Like, the trailer is in a different language, uh, so, like, I can't say it, but it's going by what people are saying online. Uh, like, the gameplay looks identical to Persona 5. Like, the, the core gameplay, like, you know, going around the different towns, the battles, the combat looks identical to Persona 5. Visually, like, the visual style and aesthetic, the menus looks identical to Persona 5, except, crazy enough, visually, it looks way better. Than, like, I don't want to say way better, but it looks like a step up for Persona 5, like, better lighting, better shading, and all like that. It looks really good, though. I was like, oh, wow okay um sign me up for this i kind of actually want to play this for sure um who knows how egregious the free-to-play aspects will be but it doesn't look bad it doesn't look bad though call me like you know call me a sellout or whatever <laughs> a free-to-play mobile gaming uh person will just eat it up but like no i would just good. call you a, a persona fanboy, which is <laughs> probably apt. I'm a pers- I'm Persona Five Royal, maybe a Persona fanboy to an extent. Yes, <laughs> I'm 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 here for this one. The mascot in this game is an owl. It's not. It's with Persona Five. We had Morgana as a cat. We got an owl this time. They they all look cool. They look dope. I like it. I like the look of it. Uh, the PC release of the System Shock remake has been delayed to May 30th, but in a console release date is still unknown. Uh, Twitch's CEO, Emmett Shear, is leaving the company after 13 years, and uh, he cited the birth of his son as like this, what kind of made him reevaluate his future at the company and be like, man, what, what do I see like the future being and all like that? So good for him. Wish the best for him and his life as a father now. Ghostwire Tokyo is coming to Xbox Series X and S and Game Pass on April 12th. 
uh, a free Spider's Thread update is also going to be released, be released for all platforms, meaning PlayStation as well. Uh, adding extended cutscenes, a new game mode, new areas, and more. The new game mode is called Spider's Thread and has you uh, try to make it through a randomized set of 30 levels that are pulled from like 120 handcrafted ones. And playing through this mode, it'll, you'll get other things for progression and stuff like that, like abilities, money, so on and so forth. Uh, I haven't played Ghostwire Tokyo yet, but I will be playing after April 12th for sure with this new update. I know you like Ghostwire Tokyo, you said. Uh, you Does this have you Yeah, I enjoyed it. Probably not. I'm, I mean, <laughs> it's more cutscenes. Like, not that they were bad there, but it certainly wasn't. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm probably not going back just because I don't replay games a ton. Um, and if I do, it'd probably be something else. Like, like I've thought about replaying Death Store on PlayStation. I'll probably replay Psychonauts 2 once I get that on PlayStation. So usually that's when I end up replaying games is when they start on Xbox or Nintendo and I play them there and then they come to PlayStation. So I'll replay them there for like trophies and shit. Um, but yeah, but I do like Ghostwire Tokyo, to be clear. I am a defender of it as it's a good game. It's maybe people were expecting a little too much. It's less horror-y than I think a lot of people thought people were expecting uh, maybe incorrectly some survival horror kind of stuff and it's less that and it's like got horror vibes and elements but it is certainly not really a scary game um, and this is coming from someone that like got terrified at Resident Evil 7 in VR so trust me I'm not like oh nothing's scary like I get it but this one really not scary just a little like creepy I guess would be more be the vibes and I actually somewhat enjoyed the first person gameplay so definitely give this a shot um if it sucks, just blame it on the fact that you played it on Xbox. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> I did, to be clear, play it on PlayStation Five. Paid my full sixty bucks last year, so it's not like it's not like I got it for free or I'm not factoring that in. Yeah, I, I still got it. It's one of the games I want to play next from my backlog. It's between that and Dying Light Two. Uh, this one, I know Ghostwire is shorter, but I've also been in the mood for like zombie killing action, so that's why I'm like, ah, oh, which one do I want to go feel with? It, yeah. Um, but I am going to get to it at some point soon. Hopefully, hopefully I can. We'll see. Uh, Epic is releasing the beta version of their Unreal Engine 5 editor for Fortnite on March 22nd. So it'll work with the tools that are already available in Fortnite's creative mode, giving you even more creative possibilities. Have fun with that. Uh, Techland actually revealed a bit more details about their next game, which they've already kind of talked about before. But in a tweet, they showed off some concept art and I'll just read the tweet here. They say, we never stop improving. Our newest game is set to be a narrative-driven fantasy epic with an exotic open world ready to be explored. We strive to create a compelling story-focused AAA title that combines and refines the best aspects of gameplay that Techland is known for. In the concept art, it shows this character like hanging on, uh, on like a tree branch. It's like a big tree branch. This tree is like really huge. Look it out in the distance. And in the distance, you can see like, what looks like a moon that's like destroyed off in the sky. It's daytime here. And you see like this, what looks to be like other mountains or maybe like a civilization kind of sort of close by, but a bit off in the distance, like waterfalls and everything. It looks cool. It looks neat. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing, okay, what, what type of gameplay we get from them in a fantasy world. I'm, I'm assuming parkour will still be a factor based off the characters hanging off the tree the way they are and all like that. So Looking forward to it. It's something different from the zombie stuff they've been known for for the past couple of years and all. Yeah. 
And last brief mention here, Microsoft, they're still signing 10-year deals. <laughs> they're signing more. Uh, this year, they this year, this week, they signed two more. One with Boosteroid, which is a Ukraine-based cloud gaming service, and another with Ubitus, which is a Japanese-based cl cloud gaming service. Again, the ten year, these deals are the same as the past 10-year deals where, hey, we'll put our games on your service and other Call of Duty and Activision Blizzard games if that deal goes through as well. Um, and of course, you could expect more of these deals to be coming down the pipeline at some point in like the near future or whatnot. Uh, I don't know if you saw... But uh, people were making all types of joke tweets after the, I think after the first or the second one, they were like, Microsoft's made a 10-year deal with Samsung to bring Activision Blizzard games and Call of Duty to your refrigerator and all like that. Uh, one of them I saw from Okami Games on Twitter, he has said, Microsoft's made a 10-year deal with Texas Instruments to bring Call of Duty to a calculator near you. And it was like a picture of a TI-83 calculator with like some like a first-person shooter looking thing on the screen. I was just like, that's funny. That was a good one. Even Phil Spencer said that's a good one, but I would play that as well. Those are for a brief mention though. So now we're going to jump to what we've been playing. Uh, and at the very end, after what we were playing, we'll talk about The Last of Us. I'll go really quickly, really briefly. Because I, I only played more Destiny 2 and Final Fantasy X this week. Uh, Destiny 2 Lightfall. I feel like the bug is biting me now. Like the way it did back when I was in college playing Destiny. Where I'm like, oh man, I'm really going hard. To like, I want to boost up my power level and like now this week i, I kind of started to get it in the last season i played for destiny 2 but this season i'm really like oh man i'm really starting to like get into the build crafting and stuff and want to get like a like good good um level good stat armor good high stat armor like min max my build the best way i can and all like that i'm really getting into it and the bug is biting me i'm like oh man oh man all right this I'm, I'm happy to be back, but you can't bite me like this because there are other games I want to play. <laughs> and I don't want to dedicate all my time to you, Destiny 2, but I'm finding it hard to pull myself away from it. I'm going to force myself to, though, to play Forspoken this weekend and potentially finish it. Um, but that's Destiny 2. And then Final Fantasy X, uh, you know, enjoying that playthrough with my girlfriend. We are, we finished Operation Meehan, uh, which is a climactic moment. I arguably, you could say it's like the end of Act 1 of the game if it was a three-act play it's the end of act one it's a major turning point in the story for all the characters and all like that uh and this this playthrough has been fun i i feel like it's it's weird my second playthrough i did with her uh i think a year or two ago uh it was it was fun but like i don't know it was like aspects of it were like way harder than the first time i ever played and this time around it's like things are going smoothly things are going smoothly so far and i appreciate that <laughs> now I haven't come across the first boss, the first real boss fight that's going to like actually annoy me. Um, I haven't come across that one yet. Once I get, once I get there, the first boss fight against Seymour, once I get there, that'll be the test, the, the termination point of, okay, is this going to be a repeat of my second playthrough <laughs> or is this going to be, is this going to be a good one? Are we going to have no difficulties? But um, I'm feeling optimistic about it. It's been a fun time. And like going through it this time with her, like we've just been like making jokes about things, about the game and all back and forth, back and forth. Cause like, you know, I know the story. She knows, she obviously knows like the back of her hand and like making references to the abridged series and all. It's It's been a lot of fun doing this playthrough. Uh, so I imagine I will be done with the game. If we're able to keep going at the pace we've been going, we should be done with it by the end of the month, which is ideally what I wanted anyway, since 
March was an empty time for me to be able to fit this in here. Uh, so yeah, it's been going well. It's been a good time so far. That said, talk to me about what you've been playing. You said you were playing some Power Wash Simulator. Give us the scoop on Yeah, I, so my internet here sucks, so uh, playing Fortnite and Call of Duty like I wanted to uh, hasn't really worked out. <laughs> I just haven't felt the pull to play Metroid, um, even though it was a little bit of a hectic week. So there was that, but like yesterday when I was just like, all right, well, my internet sucks, so I got to play something single player or like, you know, non-internet tied. And I was just like, I really didn't want to play Metroid Prime. So I was scrolling through Game Pass. There were a couple other games, but I was also like, I'm working. So I'm like, you know what? I want a good podcast game. I've like, I've heard people say Power Rush Simulator's fun. Let me give it a whirl. And so I downloaded it <laughs> and yeah, it's, Listen, man, it's 100% what you think it is. Uh, it is a power wash simulator. But what I will say, the actual commentary I will give on it is it is definitely the simulator in the sense that, like, you're not just going to show up and blast through everything. Like, it's not hard, but there are, like, you don't start off with the best equipment. You do have to work your, because, you know, the, quote-unquote story which i didn't pay attention to anyways because as mentioned i'm listening to a podcast but it's very light it's just you own a business you are upgrading your power wash stuff like you you know you get money for each job and you can upgrade your equipment your gear cosmetic and functional um so i'm focusing purely on functional right now because i'm i mean i played it for three four hours but at the same time maybe even five but at the same time uh like you know you do put, you have to put time in it. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to show up and spray everything. That's going to take 10 minutes. Like, you know, you're doing, I was, my last one I was doing, you're doing like a whole fucking playground. Or no, I think I did one after that. But you're doing like a whole fucking playground for 600 bucks. And that takes like an hour and a half, you know. Uh, maybe you're a little bit faster wow. than me. So you get it done slightly, <laughs> slightly faster. But it's definitely not like, if you're like, oh, I just want to see, it's fun. I mean, you can game pass, so you can download. It's not even a high gig, but you can download it. Just see if you're like, oh, ha, ha, fun, and then play for 20 minutes and be done and maybe do that first job, which is like a van. But, like, it is very much a, like, I like the mechanics of this. There is obviously the weird thing we all have in our brain where it's like, for me especially, I find chores cathartic at times. So this, the yeah. fact that this gameplay is soothing to me is not surprising. Um, And there's something nice about watching Stuff progress and get cleaned and then like <laughs> obviously seeing your progress at the end like oh it started shit it started out this way ended this way but the mechanics are solid they're like fundamentally it's a good sim it does feel like okay this this is not just a arcadey super jokey like like obviously it's bright and colorful and fun but it's not like it does feel like i said it's not so quick that it feels unrealistic it's not so there's like depth to it and options. There's like, like I really haven't used a ton of soaps and stuff, but there's like different soaps for different materials. Maybe as I get further in, I assume and the jobs get tougher, like the stains will be more deep, but I have, obviously if you just use the default sprayer, you know, you could be sitting there for, for a lot longer and some stains just will not get out. So, you know, you do have to buy the different nozzles, the different, uh, like the attachments and stuff like that. It's also funny. Cause like, a lot of things you'll need 
like you're supposed to use the ladder or whatever, but like I've just mm-hmm. now found myself getting good at the game's physics and mechanics to where I just can jump on stuff half the time and never <laughs> need the ladders or the step stool. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun, surprisingly deep, but also like there's not more than what it is. Never do not play this game and go in and being like, there's going to be a riveting story or like is there more <laughs> no, no, to no. it than I'm thinking is like, is there more to the gameplay than I'm thinking? Yes, but only in depth. There's not actually more in like a, oh, this is going to be more satisfying than power washing something. But guess what? Power washing something can be pretty damn fun and pretty damn, <laughs> just like I said, it's it's cathartic more than anything. It's the same feeling if you like seeing a room dirty and then cleaning it and you get like the dopamine goes off in your brain and you're like, oh, yeah, that's kind of fun. It's that. But is that, but like you yeah. can put on a podcast, especially for me working, great. It's like ideal for that. You know what I mean? And you can pause yeah. and there's low stakes, 100% great for that. Is it going to be my game of the year? No, but it's fun. Um, <laughs> I remember when it came out, people were saying like, it's a good Steam Deck game. Can 100% see that. Can see lying in bed, not knowing what to do with the last two hours of your night. So just like zoning out next to your significant other and just being like, Shh, you know, just spraying <laughs> away. Can absolutely see the validity of that as well. Like me thinking like, damn. That would be pretty nice, you know. You just just another steam box check mark here. I'm just like, yeah. Uh so it's similar. It's interesting seeing the theme of some of this kind of stuff. Because like even vampire survivors is like uh a level of this, you know. Um it's funny, it feels like Xbox Game Pass is starting to they've I mean intentional or not, but it feels like they're starting to corner the market on this having this kind of shit in in Game Pass, which apparently I'm a fan. <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, they it's gotcha. been fun. I'll I'll probably play more of it, but I do want to play something else so that way it's not my like only focus. I have more to contribute next week. Although it's interesting because I don't know what to play because we've got Resident Evil coming out Friday. But I won't be able to say mm-hmm. much about that. And then also, I don't want to pre-order it, but I will play the non-you have to pre-order at the actually open beta for Diablo 4 next week. I forgot that's coming next week. I'm definitely going to be playing that. If you pre-order sure. it, you can play this week. Yeah, but I'm yeah, like, yeah. No, I, I'm not pre-ordering it. Uh, I, I I'm want to play, play it game day one too. But like, I'm fucking pre-ordering that. <laughs> no, yeah, I I forgot that comes out next week. No, yeah, definitely want to play that. So we could, I could talk about that for sure. I'm very much looking forward to that game when it finally comes out and all. So yeah, I guess I'll have that as like a different game for me to talk about next week. Maybe Forspoken will have been completed. Maybe not. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I definitely want to have something new to talk about as well. That's so it's not just like, hey, Destiny update. I am light level 17 this. <laughs> Final Fantasy update. We are at this point and that's just all I have to contribute. So making it through things. Okay. So now we're going to talk about The Last of Us HBO show our review of the show or spoiler discussion of the show. If you have not finished the show or if you care about spoilers, um, this is your chance to bow out now. You can leave the episode. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. You know, all the stuff, subscribe, so on and so forth. If if you're interested, if you finish the show and you want to have his discussion, jump on in, stick around. It's going to be a fun one. we might end up talking about some stuff related to The Last of Us Part 2, the game. Um, if we do, of spoilers course... for Part 2 as well. Yes. So, like, I, I don't know how heavy we'll get into those spoilers. But when, we, when we're about to mention anything about that, we will clearly say, say spoilers. spoilers for Part 2. All right? But last chance, dip out now if you don't want to hear any, you know, 
a spoiler discussion about The Last of Us HBO show. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Let's talk The Last of Us HBO show. This show, we talked about it a bit the first after the first episode aired. Um, it just gave our like, initial impressions of man, where how are we like it, yeah, are we enjoying it, so on and so forth. Now that it's done, you for full transparency, uh, Tyler, you haven't finished the last episode. You watched up to the giraffe part. You haven't seen past that, but you've played the first game. You know how it ends. Uh, and like as I told you before the show, played the second as well. Yeah, so we, I was yelling here giving theories about three. So yeah, like I, right. I'm versed. <laughs> right, and as I told you before the show, um, the final episode is more or less exact like from that point on the giraffe point on more or less exactly how the game goes there's one scene one scene is like very different it's like does something that's not in the game and then joel and marlene's dialogue in the hospital is slightly different uh but other than that it's basically exactly how the game went so if you've seen the you know if you know how the game ends how that secret goes you know how the episode goes all that said this was one hell of a show. Oh my Very god. Good. I was blown good. away by it every single week. I wouldn't say I was blown away by it every single week. It was very much what kind of, it's interesting. It's kind of what I thought. Um, it would be because like listen, Pedro Pascal is the fucking man. Oberon's my favorite Game of Thrones character. You did not have to convince me that like he would be great. Of course he was. I also loved, I forget, uh, Bella Ramsey. Is it Liana? I forget her name, Liana. I think it's Liana something in uh, Game of Thrones. I thought Bella Ramsey was fucking great there too. So I was like, hell yeah. I thought that was a fantastic casting. I thought they hit it out of the park before even seeing it. And it didn't take long to be like, yes, 100%. This was phenomenal. Um, but I wouldn't say, like, I think they took less storytelling liberties than I thought outside of episode three. Um, like, I know that there's some differences, so I don't need any dorks in here telling me, like, oh, it's this or that. Like, I get that there's small differences, but I thought maybe they, and I'm not saying I'm disappointed that they didn't do this. I was just, like, interested to see one way or the other. I thought maybe they would take some huge swings, potentially, uh, story-wise, like, maybe something small that became drastically big. And instead, I think they really focused on stuff that, like, maybe didn't matter that they could maybe extrapolate more from, um, but that being said, like my favorite, well, you know, we'll get into our favorite episode for me. Spoilers. It's three. I think it's just the highlight of the season by far. Like it is emotionally mm -hmm. wrenching. Uh, I definitely found myself tearing up at the end of that episode. Like that episode is so good. Um, yeah. Not that the other episodes are bad, but I played the game. You know what I mean? Like yeah, revisiting. Yes. Those are great highs, but in order for me to like truly be like, let's, fucking go i need something different a little bit um mm -hmm. and so three for me was that moment of like oh shit they're they're cooking like i trusted them from that moment on to if they did make a change make it really count and make it impactful right right uh i'll get into my favorite episodes in a little bit uh but i just want to stick a bit more right now and just like a kind of what worked for us with the show what didn't really work for us overall and i think you know as you said the casting they did an amazing job with the casting across the board, like with the the main of the main core cast of you know Ellie and Joel, but then even like the smaller supporting characters, such as um, gosh, I'm blanking on the woman's name when they were in uh, Kansas City, 
but the woman who was the leader of the resistance group there, like she did, a, I thought she did a, a great job with her role. Yeah, she was great. Seeming like, seeming soft and sweet on the outside, but being like, no, I will get like real ruthless. Like once you get past that, she's like, you know, some of the people she's like, you know, like you're all rats. Like she's sounding so soft, but there was like that sinister undertone underneath everything she's saying, where it's like, I can't trust you, but I want to. Something tells me I should, but I know I can't. Like she was great. And then just how they also cast the um, the members, the people who play the characters in the game. So Troy Baker, Ashley Johnson, uh, Jeffrey Pierce, uh, Merle Ashley Dandridge. Johnson being her mom was cool. Right. Like I, I, I'm going to get to that, actually. I'm going to get to that. Um, but the way like they brought them into the show and the way that they killed it in each of their respective roles, like just, I loved it. I loved that so much, just the casting for sure. Um, and then the, the different changes that they made from the game to the show, whether it be small or big, I also really liked and appreciated. Um, like the the way that they, you know, one, first off, just explaining the infection and how it started, how it spread. That's a, like a touch where it's like, we didn't need it per se, but it just, it helps flesh out the world. It helps, I guess it adds, it gives you more of a reason to care about finding a cure. It gives you more of a reason to get invested in Joel and Ellie's journey to potentially find a cure or make a cure for this. When you see like, oh yeah, like there are all these people that they knew before that got infected. Like this is how it started off. And like you see when the, the woman tells them in, a, in the beginning of part episode two, uh, during the flashback when they bring the scientists in and they're like what, what do we have to do and she says bomb everything like it's too late at this point and she's just like just take me back to my family like I just want to be with them and like it gives you something to be like man like in this moment people are she already knew like everything was lost and just to yeah, be able to that was crazy good right and then just to be able to be like all right it gives you that investment into their story to the journey of like if we can find a cure to potentially get back to everything before that and just like that's all like filling the gaps in the game in your head however you want to but having it there that extra little bit it just added it's just a, a nice little touch and you know the changes they made to the infected of the instead of the spores it's the the shroom the, not the shroom the tendrils the connections and everything and how you step on one or you you mess with a tendril somewhere and like the hive mind just affects everyone all nearby. It's like changes like that just like are, well, that's more of a major change, but I really, really liked how it was done for the show. It worked really well. Yeah, so did I. Uh, I mean, it's interesting, that kind of stuff, it does feel like maybe was underserved a little bit. Like the, we didn't really see the effect of that whole, you know, the tendrils and them coming back quickly throughout really the rest of the season like rarely ever was that like a focal point it felt like they made a big deal about it and then it was just for that episode um mm -hmm. my biggest complaint would probably be season felt a little rushed towards the end um i haven't seen the whole episode last episode but it is short i know it's got a short runtime and it feels like there could have been and like i had never played left behind interestingly enough um oh okay yeah i when it came, the first one came out i was broke and so I did the whole the old GameStop rent it for a week used and then <laughs> turn, you know, um, 
but yeah, like, so that, that was interesting and I loved it, but it felt like we could have gotten a whole season even without left behind. So you would certainly have thought with it that we could have gotten 10 episodes. Um, and it felt a little rushed, like pacing wise for me over all the last, uh, like couple episodes. So I would have maybe liked, and like, I mean, but it's, I've played, it's been so long since I played the first game that I'm a little fuzzy. I'm like, Oh, what, what could we have added here? Um, what would have been like a good from to pull from the game? Um, but you know, small minor complaint. I do think this is like hands down the best video game adaptation ever put to screen. Um, I don't even think that's really close. Um, and like I said, I think they, I think they did. I think they made some really, uh, took some good liberties with, with what they changed question because i've seen people say that they felt that the show was rushed whether it be the entire season or just parts of it and all um what do you what 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 would what do you think made it feel like it was rushed for you like near the end because i personally never felt like anything was rushed and i saw some people say that oh they thought that the episode with david uh in the winter section they thought that that episode was rushed but i don't I, yeah, think that it was, was what i was going to jump to immediately was my first thought was that episode second to last it that is a not insignificant chunk of the game um and it feels like it naturally gets to build tension and i think it felt like okay let's get the bullet points of what happens here out of the way without finding a replicate because like obviously we don't have gameplay filler in that sense so it seems like they were it seems like where they were at timeline wise at that point script wise or whatever that they were like well we're kind of at a satisfactory point we think so we'll just do the major bullet points instead of finding a way to replicate what would build that tension and maybe draw out the episode maybe have it be an episode and a half's worth um you know like I think that could have used a bit more because it felt like such a quick conflict to resolution endpoint that it just felt like it was wrapped up a little too neatly and like like there wasn't time to like really chew on and like realize the ramifications of what's about to happen. See, I didn't feel that way because again, like that's a it's a key moment in the game. It's a whole it's a significant section of the game, but it's also not a section that takes too long like I, I i when i saw people say man they feel like it was rushed it could have been two episodes i wonder like what could have been added that what could have been added to it that wouldn't cause it to feel like it's dragging well, on you know what i to mean to be clear it's not our job to come up with that obviously that's the job of a showrunner but i do think it's a fair criticism to be like the pace of this is off because especially think about it think about how much they just fucking hung out in the first two episodes like it's very i would not call the pace of those two episodes brisk i would say like the first half the season felt drawn out and meticulous in like a way that i very much enjoyed and it felt like they were rushing from story point to story point towards the end and i assume most people complaining about the pace just wanted to soak everything in a bit more the way uh you know there's like scenes of them like reacting and being like intently hiding and things of that nature in the first half of the season. And like, you, you obviously don't just want to run it back and do the exact same thing. Otherwise it does start to feel a little too samey like a game, um, and, you know, moment to moment, but yeah, 
I mean, that's their job. You know, obviously that's what they're getting paid to do is adapt uh, this. And it would have been nice to find a, a different way to replicate maybe a little bit of that like intentional filler where it's like there to amplify the tension. So you're starting to yeah. feel like, oh shit, this is what could happen. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I got it. Uh, you know, speaking of something that was not really there in the show, but you know, you have more of in the game was obviously the infected. And I wish one thing I wish that they did more was that we got more infected because after the fifth, after episode five, when they're leaving Kansas city with the whole, when the whole thing happens with Sam and Henry after that episode, they're really, there's only, if I'm correct, actually two more infected in the entire show. One in the Left Behind episode, and then one, uh, ba, 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 ba. oh my gosh, I know what it is. Oh, one when you see Ellie's mom. When I think those are the only two other infected we get after the, the whole thing with Sam and Henry. And I get why, you know, you don't have as many infected, whether it be a budget thing because you could you could tell they blew their budget for sure <laughs> when they had that whole infected horde come out in that fifth episode and start like taking everyone down which by the way that was awesome that was super cool <laughs> loved seeing that yeah. bloater come out and just straight up start just ripping people and everything um but so like i get that budget wise and i imagine also like you said it might end up feeling a bit gamey to an extent having like all these interactions with the infected but not having them so much in the back half of the show it did feel like something was missing like a key part of the world was missing not having them it's like they're really heavy in the first half and then it's more like oh the second half we're gonna focus on the people instead not have really many infected there and i wish there was more infected and i mean they did say that there's going to be more in season two which is good uh but you know, I that wish King, that maybe if if it's in season two, if it's not season be, three, but that's gonna be a it's gonna be so horrifying, man. That is gonna be intense. Oh my god, I can't wait to see that one. See how they pull that off. Um, but another change that I actually liked, um, was and this is a, I guess you could say a minor one that is a major one, depending on how you want to look at it. I liked um, Joel and Tommy. The conversation that like their relationship was great uh you know it definitely um conveyed you know the the relationship that they had in the games the show really well but i liked that conversation um that joel and tommy have in the episode when the you know when he's uh, trying to fix his boot he comes in and gives him a new shoe and he asked he's asking tommy now to take ellie and it's like the payoff of the ptsd that we've been seeing joel dealing with and that one just added that PTSD element to the show was a great touch to add to further flesh out Joel's character and just add on to what we already know is there in the game, but it's not really touched on much of like, how has he really dealt with the loss of Sarah? How is it still affecting him aside from just the, the, the factor of, man, I don't want to take her because she reminds me of Sarah. It's like, no, it's deeper than that. And it's still like the loss of Sarah still affects him to this very day. And just that conversation of seeing Joel break down and be like, I still have nightmares and dreams and like of me just failing over and over and over again. And like, I'm afraid that I'm going to fail right now. Like I can't go through it again. Like I loved that conversation and mo just things like that throughout the show, just the way they 
further fleshed out characters was so well done. Whether it be with Joel and Tommy in that moment, or with Which Sam is gonna and be Hen- sick in season two, the payoff. I know. People are gonna lose their minds. I know. Oh, it's gonna be good. Or even like you know Sam and Henry fleshing them out, like making Henry deaf was a nice touch, like a smart change. A very it wasn't needed, but it was done really well, and it just it changes their dynamic and how it changes the responsibility that Sam himself feels. No, Henry, this responsibility that Henry feels for Sam, uh, like it heightens it all and just makes their dynamic so much more, so much more close. And closely tightened it and everything. Like it was, it was so good. Just all the dynamics and just the depth that all the characters were given. Loved it so, so, so much. And then we get to our favorite episodes now because that for damn sure was on display in episode three. I don't know if that's my favorite episode, but it's up there as, as like, it's a top three episode for me. That was an amazing, amazing episode. Just completely changing what we know about Bill and um frank from the game and taking just like that one note of oh they were partners but in the game they, they hated each other or frank hated um bill and saying no we're gonna do something very different with from that in the show still keep the core of who bill is but completely turn that story on its head and do it in a way that does their story justice and helps serve the bigger narrative the bigger narr- themes narratively as well for the show but that episode was just like amazing i want you to gush about it yeah. i know you said it's your number one yeah it's a hundred percent my favorite episode it's just i mean it is in a show all about ult- like ultimately i think there are a lot of philosophical implications about the last of us there's a lot of everything but ultimately it comes down to like relationships and not like even not necessarily in rom- you know the last of us in general not uh in romantic nature because the apocalypse is kind of like the worst possible place um, but that's what makes this episode special is, you know, um, like I, anyone that hates on this episode, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, even like because I saw one weirdo on TikTok and people were roasting him. But there's just like, oh, you know, I'm not homophobic. Even if you're not homophobic, you're a fucking dork, man. Like, do you just not like like to be like, I don't like love stories. I'm here for the zombies. Like, yeah. OK, there's go watch literally the fucking Walking Dead. You weirdo like this, this <laughs> game, this series is about so much more than that and is about like just the human spirit in a lot of aspects and the goods, the bads, the extremes of all that. And so much, and like, that's all on display here. Like it is wonderful. It is like heartbreaking, but like in the best Mm -hmm. kind of way. And it's just like the one optimistic, like even when you get, like, even if you're like me and you play the game where you're just like rushing forward and barely forward Joel to like ultimately, cause you, you're like, I'll be damned if I let Ellie die um, for these <laughs> nerds. But <laughs> but at the end of the like, cure schmear, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm about to <laughs> save her. But even if you play that, you play that way and you get the ending that ultimately you wanted, it's unfulfilling because there's like all this un, there's all this tension, you know, Ellie doesn't know. And it's just like, it's still not the way you want it. There's like no happy endings here other than Bill and Frank's and it's wonderful and it's perfect. And the idea that you're like in this world of sorrow and misery, I wanted more sorrow and misery. I wanted it to be exactly like the game. Like you suck, man. Like they changed it to where one person gets like truly a hap two people, you know, get a truly happy ending and it's perfect. And it's such a side small 
step of the people like i wanted to see bill and joel react like interact you did like who gives a shit if you didn't see the one scene you wanted in the, the game like we got a billion better scenes in this episode like it's yeah. just it's perfect we got to see pre uh you know pre panty bill here where he's just you know who he is he's the cranky you know uh in introvert that is doomsday prepping um yeah. and then we get to see <laughs> like him change emotionally as a human and like what he becomes um, when he's no longer an incel, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's great. And he's a better person for it. And Nick Offerman is fantastic. And I forget the actor's name, but he was also in the white Lotus that plays Frank. He's phenomenal. Like just truly, truly uh, a wonderful episode. And also I think the Joel interactions with Bill and this episode are like significantly better than the ones in the game. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing episode for sure. And I think, like I said, I don't know if it's my number one. It's definitely top three. Because my other two favorite episodes were the premiere. I thought the premiere was very, very well It was done. very good, yeah. Very good. Like, I, I think I said it when we first talked about that episode. But, like, the once they once they started in that episode, you know, these once you get to the beginning of the game in that episode and all the way up to Sarah's death, like, even though I knew what was going to happen, I was still on the edge of my seat, heart pumping, because I was like, oh, oh my gosh, how's it going to go? How's it going to go? How's it going to go? And it was just done so freaking well. Um, and then everything past that, also done super well. But then surprisingly also for me, one of my other favorite episodes, it's the top three here, was the Left Behind episode. Now, I didn't play Left Behind. Oh, when it, it was phenomenal. I didn't play Left Behind when it first came out. I played it for the first time when I played the remaster for my girlfriend a couple years ago. So I was like late to the party, but I knew how it went. I knew the story of Left Behind, but I was late to the party on it. Um, so getting it here, I was like, oh man, they're doing it so well. You know, like getting a bit more backstory on Fedra and Ellie's life at Fedra, but then doing the whole Left Behind story was done. It was done so well that like when we got to the end and um, she's sitting there with Riley and, you know, they're both infected. And then Riley starts saying, you know, saying her lines of like, all right, well, there's two ways I could see this going. We could do this or that. Like that whole interaction there, I legitimately started like, I started watering up. It started tearing up because I was like, oh my God. Like Storm Reed and Bella Ramsey killed it in that episode. Like the way they had, they got you so invested in their relationship, their friendship in just an hour. You could buy into it so well. And then in that final conversation, you're just your heart just breaks for the two of them in the same way it breaks for Bill and Frank at the beginning. Maybe in a different way, but your heart still breaks for them. Where it's like, you guys just accepted that you all care about each other and love each other and want to stick together and just had it ripped away from you in a moment's notice, just like that. Just like utterly crushing and... I it's one of those moments where I was like, man, all of this was done exactly like it was in the game. I feel like this was done even better than it was in the game. Like I enjoyed it more than I did the game version of it. And I think that's because as I said, I saw my girlfriend this that same day. I I think it works better in the show because you're in it. You're in the Riley um, Ellie flashback for the entirety of the episode. Whereas in the game, it's going back and forth between Ellie remembering the past and Ellie in the present skulking around the mall trying to find supplies for Joel. Whereas here, since you're just completely in the past, you're able to just 
sit with them for longer, enjoy that time together longer and begin it on their own, as opposed to, you know, like here in the show, you're only with Ellie in the present at the very beginning and the very end. That's it. And I enjoy, I just really, really enjoy that episode. Like if that's not, I think that might be, actually, I don't know. I don't know how I would rank that between that, the premiere and the Bill and Frank episode. I don't know how I rank those three. Cause like, they're all just so fantastic to me for like very different reasons, but just amazing adaptations all around. Yeah. I, as someone that had not played left behind, I thought it was phenomenal. Um, yeah. Like you said, Riley and Ellie's relationship, uh, for, you know, both non-romantic and, briefly romantic which is just so heartbreaking um at the end and you know craig mazine talked about it, like we wanted to take it away and it's like that makes sense you understand why it can't work out but that's what's so beautiful about getting bills uh bill and frank's episode earlier in the season it just like enhances that as like truly the rarity that it is that so few people get to go out on their own terms happy with the person that they love um, and get to have this story and have these like first world issues of like, we're arguing because of like dumb, you know, <laughs> ultimately like small things that like matter here in our world, but in the post-apocalypse, like throw that shit out the window, not important. Um, so like, yeah. And I, I think there's like elements of that reflected in this episode, but on a smaller scope and with, you know, with obviously much younger, uh, kids that just like, don't really understand they understand obviously what's going on in the world, but like they just get to have this moment where they don't have to care and it's ultimately ruined by the carelessness, but it's just, it is wonderful. Um, and it's also obviously got, uh, that pull and that touchstone to like our nostalgia and obviously, you know, just like having arcades, getting the, like being them all with your friend, but in this like weird twisted way where it's completely separated from reality, but it's so nice to see Ellie get this moment of normalcy, um, wonderful episode as well it's probably i mean i don't know if it would be two for sure for me but it's it's definitely like top three or four um so it's up there maybe it'd be two i'd have to like watch i have to finish this episode the last episode and then like really feel yeah. think about how i feel about it but it would be up there it's probably like three or four worst case scenario but like it's definitely it it's an amazing episode yeah Final two things I want to talk about for this uh, discussion real quick. Real briefly, number one, Ellie's mom. Um, so we we kind of expected Ashley Johnson to play her mom uh, in some way, shape, I or didn't, form. I didn't, but okay, well, I didn't know I they did. were going to be in it. I when, I when they announced that she was in it, I was like, okay, like I expected her to be the mom. And then as we got to the series, I was like, we haven't seen her yet. So after the seventh episode, I was like, okay, I bet money here's what's going to happen. Ellie, we're going to see Ellie's mom in a flashback. Ellie's going to be, she's going to be pregnant. And I bet money what's going to happen is she's going to get bit right as she gives birth to Ellie. And that's going to be why Ellie's immune. I was like, I bet money that's going to be the case. And that's exactly what happened. I was like so proud of myself for calling that a week in advance. I was like, props, props to you, Tyler, props to you, Tyler. But, um, no, yeah, she did that really well. And I mean, that's it, it changes things. It's like it adds a major dynamic shift or to the world. Like, oh, like that's how she's immune. Like she was bit, well, her mother was bit, but she kind of cut the cord, I guess, just in time or whatnot to make her not be infected. It's it's wild. It's it's a real major change. Um, no, don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, but if you don't, we'll go into the last point. Yeah, just a quick note of like. I don't know. I don't really like, like I would have been fine with the mystery of we don't know how Ellie got it. I mean, that's all I'll say. Um, 
because like okay whatever like i guess i i do like that it's not explicitly stated that like this is why like um i'm glad to hear that the scientists aren't like oh blah 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 this is clearly why like but i would have been fine not like i would have been fine if we just didn't get a clear shot of whether or not she got but like bitten and we're like oh is it is it not you know but um because then it's like i'm sure we'll now have a million reddit threads and videos where dorks are just like this is the science behind and blah i'm just like I would have all I would have been totally fine not knowing for sure if she got bit and this is like what's clearly leading to the mutant. I would have been fine with it too. But I was like, I bet that's what's gonna happen. And it did. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> good call. Good call for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, final thing here. What are our hopes? You have any hopes or expectations for season two? Season two or I, more so season three as well. Just like the rest of the show going yeah. forward. I is three seasons too much i think so or like three more seasons too much i think so um i think two is the right call but you probably fully flesh them out to 10 episode seasons i think as much as you'll be tempted to and i know there's already been like probably what two ish years uh between like the starting of filming last of us and now so like bella ramsey's already aged up some but i think don't change the cat like bella's so perfect as it they already said she's staying. Oh, did they? Okay, yeah. thank God. Um, so I think that seals it. I think they have to let her age up. I think it makes sense. I said this when I did my spoiler cast for The Last of Us 2. I think there's a version of that story that you tell more straightforward that arguably ups the tension. You so you lose getting blind spoilers for The Last of Us 2. You yes. lose <laughs> uh you lose the blindsidedness and that like that kind of reaction. Joel dying um but I think the trade-off of getting to know and appreciate Abby first in the anticipation and the dread um that like you know she's coming for Joel and obviously in the game we wouldn't have known if he for sure dies but now we will I think that'll just I think it adds it a whole extra layer I think it's going to be I think it'll be incredibly good I think the payoff for going that route um will be will be worth it I'm just interested. I'm very interested to see who Abby uh, ultimately gets cast as. I know there's been some like, like, let's be real. The actor is not going to be as swole as Abby probably because um, Abby's fucking ripped in the game. But <laughs> I've seen some Florence Pugh uh, fan casting, which would be pretty cool. Um, she doesn't look exactly the same, but I think uh, Source or Sailors, I don't know how you pronounce her name, Ronan, uh, aka yeah. Lady Bird, and she's in a lot of Greta Gerwig stuff. I think she would be a phenomenal Abby. Um, I think of anyone else. I don't know if you have any fan castings here for. I for don't. Abby, I don't but, have a single one. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm very, very interested. Uh, the one that would get people mad would probably be like Brie Larson, but I could see her being good. Um, mm-hmm. and that's just because people don't like Captain Marvel. But Brie Larson, like, go watch. Uh, yeah, go watch. Damn it, I forget the name of it. Well, Room's good too, but also uh, what she what should have won her Oscar for. I forget the name of it. But it's a pretty solid movie. But she's just like a powerhouse. And she is a phenomenal actress. She'd be pretty cool. But I wonder if they think she's too old um, in rel- relation, like just age-wise, where she'd line up with Abby. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'd be interesting. But yeah, I I can't wait to see who that's going to be. I think that's just as interesting for me as watching the show. Because I, I mean, you know, I called this a while ago about season two splitting it and then, or like part two splitting it. And I... Still, I bet my life that they're going to do the story that exact way. 
Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to season two. Um, I don't know how it's gonna go. Like in terms of like how they split it, if they do the Abby stuff first and then the Ellie stuff second, I'm I'm not sure. I think they might like they're gonna they're definitely gonna take liberties with it, and I think we'll get more time with uh, with Abby before she kills Joel to make it that much more of a shock. Um, they maybe they'll go the way where they wanted to originally in the game, where they originally wanted to like have her dance with Joel at the at the party the night before and everything, like show her in the town a bit more, and then like have the surprise later on. Maybe they'll do something like that. Who knows? I mean, you know, the benefit that's the benefit of hindsight. You can now do things a different way for the show. Um, but it's going to be very interesting to see. One of my big hopes is that, of course, more infected very much looking forward to seeing more infected at all um but i think what am i, I like i i don't know what i hope for the show i i hope that i think like for season two season three for basically adapting part two of the game i hope that they're able to balance how complex that story is and how how much bigger scale the story is like it's not like it's oh it's like such a vast story or anything it's not like a god of war or ragnarok type of scale increase or anything like that but it's like scale in terms of depth and complexity and characters like there's so much more to chew on and dig through and parse through yeah with part two with the like themes narrative all like that like it's all it's a monster of a of a game to you know have to adapt to a different medium so I'm I'm hoping that they're able to balance it all and, you know, give everything the amount of time that it needs and deserves, you know, and not rush through things like all the stuff with the scars and the wolves and stuff like that's that could be a season of its own in any other show. Like that's that's a, a whole lot there to dig, to dig into the stuff with Lev and Yara and Abby, like that's a whole lot to dig into everything post Seattle, like the time jump and stuff, like there's a lot going on in part two. And I mean, I trust the team, you know, Craig Mazin, Neil Druckmann, everyone, like they've clearly showed that they can do it with, the, with you know, with The Last of Us part one. Uh, that was just, but that's a more straightforward narrative, straight, more straightforward story. I trust them. It's though. so much easier to do. Yeah, but I trust them with part two. I trust that they can do it because they've shown that they can. Yeah. I just think, the most important part is going to be nailing the casting even more so than for for the mm. first season. Because, yeah. like, whoever you cast as Abby needs to pull her weight. A, the Joel killing, like, the range of emotion and what Abby goes through. But also, like, we all need to be emotionally... Like, I need everyone that didn't play the game to be emotionally devastated by that beach scene the way I was. Like, that... Mm-hmm. You know, like it's gonna be Bella. Like we know Bella's gonna kill it. Like that scene, her go, her like thinking of what she's gonna go through, like the actress, and also just like the character and like how that'll look on screen in season two is gonna be so so good because like just I mean we saw how well she portrayed the rage that is you know buried within Ellie, and it's times a billion in part two. Um. You know, they said the first game was about love. The second game's about hate. Like, yeah, like it's <laughs> it's wild, man. Like, I can't wait. And like, again, all this is spoilers. When Tommy gets killed, man, people are gonna be like, "What?" Well, he didn't. He didn't die. He didn't die. He lived. Does he? 
Yeah, he lives. Oh man, I need to replay part two. No, I see. Lives. I don't remember that. I swear, I thought he died. He did not die. His his eye got really messed up, but he lived. He lived through part two. So yeah, lame. They should have killed Tommy. That'd have been more emotional. <laughs> well, you maybe you're thinking of a. Uh, the 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 Asian friend I forgot his name but he, him oh he man when he dies too <laughs> <sighs> oh, okay well I think we've exhausted all of our thoughts and everything on Last of Us the HBO show it was an awesome show great fun thanks for having this discussion with me and thanks for you know again yes. being here for another great episode of the Playwood Podcast thank you all for watching it or listening check out the show uh well check out the site playwaygames.wordpress.com home for all of our content so check it out and hit us up on twitter and instagram at play to win game for updates on the show and other things that might be posted subscribe on youtube leave a like get a comment and uh, let us know down below all your thoughts and everything we talked about this episode how much you liked the show or whether you didn't like the show uh what you want know to do next so on and so forth uh ps6 ps5 pro rumors let us know all your thoughts down in the comments below. Subscribe on podcast services. Five-star review over there. Super appreciated. Uh, where can people find you, Tyler? Uh, good Game We Lost on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Fantastic. You can find me on Twitter at TylerMiller2496. Thank you all so much for watching and or listening. We'll talk with you all next time. Have a good one. Have a good one, everyone.